and welcome to the second edition of our Word Bank podcast, Wordcast. Um, I'm Zoe. And I'm Johnny. And we're here talking about all things content, language and culture. Last week, you might remember that we were talking about the Year of Indigenous Languages. This week, we're moving on. Johnny, do you want to uh, explain what we're going to be chatting about today? Yeah, sure. So obviously, last time we were talking a bit about languages that are in danger of dying out. Uh, some of the languages you might never have heard of. This time we want to take a closer look at some of the more established languages out there, specifically English. And to start with, I want to take a bit of a weird turn and I want to start by talking about French. So Zoe, I don't know if you saw recently, um, the Académie Française in France has just made a big decision. Have you heard anything about that? Um, I have heard of the Académie Française. I know that they often make quite controversial decisions, but actually I didn't know that they'd recently made a new one, no. Okay, so in case any of the listeners at home, uh, in case you've never heard of them, the Académie Française is a body in France that basically makes all the rules about the French language. So um, they get to decide what's acceptable French and what's not. And so this week, they're back in the news with a fresh announcement um, (laughs) that actually people are quite pleased about. In in French, as I'm sure you know, you can have masculine or feminine job titles. So you quite often add an E to the end of a job title to tell people that it's a female uh, who's in the job. Can you give me an example? Uh, I can if you put me on the spot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. so, for example, the word uh, for nurse in French would be infirmier. Okay. That's a masculine, a male nurse. Yeah. If you wanted to say it was a female, you'd say infirmière. So you'd add a, an accent to the, you'd add an ERE with an yeah. accent on the, the first E. And that tells people that it's a woman. Um, but there are quite a lot of professions in French where that's not the case. So, for example, teacher, professeur, is just if you're a male or if you're a female, it's the same. Uh, And for quite a long time, uh, women in France have been campaigning that they should be recognized in French, that for these words, they should also have the ability to tell people if it's a male or a female. Uh, The Académie Française, unsurprisingly, at first said this would be barbaric. (laughs) Absolutely no way under no circumstances could they do that. Um, But actually, just in the past month or so, they've said, it's okay, we can can allow this. We have no opposition in principle to people if they want to use... Uh, female job titles for whatever words uh, or for whatever job titles they have. So, okay. for example, uh, teacher, you cannot add an e to the end of that, and that makes it clear that it's a woman. So, so if you were, uh, if you're a female teacher previously, and uh, my knowledge of French is a bit limited, but you would be un professeur, so or you would be un. Yeah, you'd be un professeur. So you would show people if you're male or female with the the or a. Okay. But what um, people wanted was also people to show it in the word itself. Okay, I get it. Um, okay. Gosh, how confusing. I know. (laughs) But it's interesting because obviously in English we're taking, uh, we're moving away from that slightly because whereas you used to say actor and actress, it's actually more common now to say actor for anyone or it's more acceptable. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's a big win for people in France to have this recognition, particularly for women who felt kind of left out of the language for a yeah. long time. And it's seen as they're maybe against their will. The Académie Française is moving into the modernity and the, the more common way of speaking French. Well, that's good. Is that because- Interestingly, France isn't the only country that has a body like this. Okay. So actually Spain, um, China, Holland, Germany, Ireland, they all have similar bodies that govern uh, the language, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And it got me thinking, do we have one for English? Have you ever heard of one? No, I think if I am looking for a guide on how to spell something, I guess I would go to the Oxford English Dictionary or the Cambridge English Dictionary. 
I don't think we have a governing body, do we? Am I? I could be wrong. <laughs> it's not a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes we do, and I don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we actually don't. You're right. Most people um, that I would talk to would go to the dictionary. Um, but I watched a few TED Talks as I was thinking a bit about this podcast and a bit about the topic. I watched a few podcasts to see who actually is in control of the English language. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that no one is. It's the people. Um, but I guess I guess the English language is spoken so widely in so many countries and has been spoken for such a long time. It would be very difficult to have a governing body. I mean, I guess we could have a UK English governing body if we really mm. wanted to. But how difficult would it be to control the use of English language across the world? I mean, yeah. it's a challenge that the I guess the Academy Francaise doesn't have to that extent really True. well if you could control english mm. and you could ban one word from the english language what would you ban oh my gosh don't get me started right <laughs> so words i don't like i hate the word nice because the word nice is now used constantly and it's used for with by people who are lacking in imagination so if, do you like something yes it's really nice you know what how was your holiday it was really nice thanks how's your meal it's really nice thanks so I think it's just lazy and it's being used far too much um, what else don't I like um, I don't like the phrase props to which I see sneaking into um, <laughs> presentations sneaking into feedback I don't like that um, how about you well, similar kind of line. I hate that business jargon that I even find myself using sometimes and I sort of mentally uh, shout at myself when I do, but things like action, to action something, <laughs> which to me is just a an unnecessarily fancy way of saying you're going to do something. Um, that is one of my pet peeves. Um, but I also asked the other people in the office what okay. they thought just to see, you know, am I alone in this kind of thing? Do people actually have strong opinions about it? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Some of the words that came up um, got a particularly strong response from Kevin, our MD, who okay. said he absolutely hates uh, reached out. Reached out. Do you know, that was one of the ones I was going to say. But today, alone, I mean, just this morning alone, I think I've used that phrase probably at least half a dozen times. I mean, it's awful. It's just, I mean, I was just writing some meeting notes and I think I probably used it four times in those notes alone. Yeah. Well, and he says, you know, if if oh. you were to change contacts in your iPhone to reachables, it would just be an abomination. <laughs> like, there'd be no way that would work yeah, at all. Yeah, so I contacted, I reached out. I know, why do we Why do we say it? It's longer as well. Um, so that was one that was that particularly... Was one, okay, I, I'm with him on that, but I'm guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and there were quite a few, of course, were um, opposed to the millennial words as I like to call them or Gen Z words so bay or fleek or yeah, I don't even know what things they like mean, that so. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, the cool words <laughs> I don't get them yeah so yeah but it's interesting there's a, um, a university in the states uh, if we're talking about attempts to control the English language and there's a university that actually every year publishes a list of words that if they could they would ban completely from English <laughs> and how do they how, how do they get these words do they do a massive like poll or how, yeah so how they, they have they? a sort of not quite a council, but an informal group of people that they would ask and say, so what words would you uh, get rid of? So mm -hmm. they might be professors from university or they might be uh, linguistics experts, things like that. Okay. Uh, so last year there were words like ghosting. Okay. Um, yep. Why? Thought, thought leader was one I found particularly interesting. They said you can't lead with thoughts. You've got to, you know, actually do something. How can you be a thought leader? How can some thoughts have more value than others? But aren't you a leader of thoughts? A leader of having thoughts? 
I don't really mind thought leader. I mean, I guess it's because I also use that term. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't really complain. Yeah, it makes you realise what you say and what you do. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I get that. I, I think the word awesome is you is overused as well. Yeah. Um, maybe people are using that instead of nice, which I suppose is mm. slightly different. But well, yeah. fun fact: Did you know that awesome used to be a synonym of awful, both meaning uh, full of awe, something ah. that struck wonder in you, and over time, then those two meanings have diverged through completely that they now mean completely opposite things um, fun interesting fact of the day. Yeah. yeah okay well maybe i'll point that out the next time someone tells me something is awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually it's awful that you say that. so did you get what else did you get did anyone else come back to you with words that in I fact did. maybe this is a good one to ask our listeners actually if, if they did want to get in get in touch um yeah. why don't you tell us words that you would ban um and you know, I'm sure it's lots of the marketing jargon, but yeah, email us at wordcast at wordbank.com and, and tell us words that you really can't stand that you would be happy never to hear again. Yeah. Here are a few more. If you're stuck for inspiration, here's what some <laughs> of our word bankers said. FOMO, fear of missing out. Absolutely hated that term. Yep. Um, cool, a bit like what you were saying with nice. It's yeah. used as a catch-all adjective that doesn't really have much meaning. And then some of the ones that I've actually heard some of my friends talk about as well, moist, pus, gurgle, those kind of really horrible sounds. That I hate the word moist. My kids use that a lot and I, I really hate it. But gurgle, gurgle is an onomatopoeia. I love yeah. gurgle. I love the words that sound a little bit like they should. I think, that, I think that's <laughs> yeah. a good word. I disagree with that one. Yeah. So do you have a favourite word then? Oh, favourite word. Well, I like so many words, actually. I do like onomatopoeia, so I like words like mush and slush, um, twinkle, sparkle. Um, I like clever words. I know you've asked me this before, actually, because it was one of our... Um, one of our LinkedIn posts. So I like the word cleave because it's a Janus word, yeah. which means it means two different things and it means two things which have an opposite meaning. So to cleave to something means to actually cling onto it, but it also means to separate from. So that I think probably is my all time favourite word because it's just mm. really, I nearly said cool. <laughs> it's really clever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I How about you? What's your favourite word? Well, I don't have, um, haven't thought into it in as much depth as you have. I don't have clever words that I've thought of, but I like ones that just sound nice. So yeah. ululation was one that I was reading the other day that I just like to kind of rise and fall. Yeah, what's that one again? Ululation, you know. Um, what does that mean? No, that's a lovely it's word. It's like a type of, of singing, I think. Ah, so they make that noise from their throats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. And hullabaloo as well. Hullabaloo. Which is quite a funny word. Um, a hullabaloo. Yeah, good yeah. word. Uh, but it's interesting. I was watching a couple of TED Talks about this and particularly from one of the people who's involved in deciding on the word of the year each year. Yeah, um, okay. So every year they try and pick one word. That so is this a global word of the year? Well, or is it an American word? I think each Or an English-speaking word of the year? I think each dictionary really publishes their own, or at least okay. certain dictionaries do. Yeah. Um, the ones that I took a look at I, were from, I think it was the Oxford Dictionary, um, so, for example, last year's one, 2018, the word of the year was toxic. Oh, yes, so I remember reading that. Toxic politics, toxic, all that kind of stuff. So it's not necessarily a word that they love or hate. It's just a word that has really um, had an impact in exactly. that year, whether exactly. for good or bad. Okay, yeah. 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 And that kind of gets to the root of why... Um, Whereas in French, they might have the Académie Française that can control their language. In English, we don't have one yep. because 
the dictionary editors, they actually like to say that they're not prescriptivist. That means they don't tell people what you can and can't say. Yep. But they're descriptivist, which means that they observe what other people are saying and then they record it in their dictionary. Ah, uh, okay. So that's why it's a big deal when words like LOL get added to the dictionary because they've observed that it's popular. They think it's going to stay around and so it's worth adding. So it gives it a bit of status, yep. but it doesn't uh, legitimate the word or not. It's just a recognition that the word is being used. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so we're kind of coming on to the history of the English language a little bit. So we, we, we've kind of, we've, we've talked about words that we like and don't like and what's kind of coming in are words, marketing jargon, new terms, kids speak, um, text speak. So, yeah, I mean, what what do you know about the kind of history of the English language? I bet you know loads, don't well, you? I'm glad I bet, you asked. I bet, <laughs> I bet you know loads. <laughs> yeah. English, as we know it, kind of has its history. Um, its story begins in around the 5th century okay. when the Angles and the Saxons invaded uh, Britain at the time. So, okay. obviously, uh, you hear about Anglo-Saxon these days. Angles yep. and Saxons were two different groups of people that yep. invaded around the same time. Okay, and, and, they, who was, and who when they invaded, who was here already? The indigenous peoples. Oh, <laughs> yes. And who were they? So they were the Celtic people. Um, so as the Angles and Saxons invaded, they pushed those groups of people towards Wales, Ireland, the kind of edges okay. of Scotland, which is where the UK's indigenous languages and Ireland's indigenous languages are today. Oh, okay. So English is not the indigenous language. Okay. Um, and actually, interestingly, the language that the Angles and the Saxons brought, we don't actually use 85% of it today. It's kind of changed over time. Some words you might recognise, though, um, very aggressive, very violent words. Uh, but the Saxons brought words like bruise, wound, rotten, flesh, blood, guts. All those kind of <laughs> Sounds Why like a warmongering race. <laughs> surprise me. Do you know, I think I may have actually seen some of the horrible histories <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where I, I think I remember an episode on words we got from you know, the Normans or words yeah. we got from that. Very funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my, obviously during that uh, time, the Vikings were around as well and they would regularly invade and pillage villages so it actually that affected the language as well and again more angry words yeah, anger okay. die berserk but one of my <laughs> favorite facts is from the vikings we also have the word for kick oh perfect oh good so there's still some thank good you. That came thank from. you the vikings <laughs> yes. yes we're going to uh yes yeah, scare you make you angry kill you make you go berserk and then offer you a nice piece of cake exactly <laughs> so what you i mean old english most people won't recognise today, won't really know what it is, but you've probably heard of Beowulf. I have heard of Beowulf. Are you going to quote me some Beowulf? I'm going to try. Okay. <laughs> so I've <laughs> spent several several videos on YouTube watching and trying to get the pronunciation right. Uh, it won't surprise you that sounds very different from today, but here we go. What we gardena in your garden, theo kuniga frum ye frunen, wo tha ethilingas ln fremedon. And that means probably, would you bring me a nice piece of cake? Exactly, yes. No. <laughs> now, what does it really mean? It's actually the start of um, Beowulf. Apologies to anybody who actually does speak Old English. I've just butchered the subject. Uh, but it means, lo, the Spearden's glory through splendid achievements, the folk king's former fame we have heard of, how princes displayed then their prowess in battle. It's basically the introduction wow. to this epic story of the kings and uh, the battles that are about to be told. It's just, I mean, it's... It's another language, isn't it? Oh, I mean, exactly. I absolutely could not recognise any of that from what you said, to, to be honest. I mean, gosh. 
That's really interesting. So, of course, the language that we kind of are familiar with yep. started to take shape around the 11th century when the Normans invaded, 1066. Okay, yeah, um, I know that. I remember that date. Yes, <laughs> it helps. With they, they basically during that time started to solidify the grammar, the language. They brought a lot of influence over from French. Um, okay, so do you, have you got some words that words we get from the Normans? I do. So interestingly, okay. um, the, there's a history with the way that food. Um, is labeled so you know we call things like pork venison beef yes when actually the animals are pigs yeah. and cows yeah and the reason for that is that the normans saw french as this sophisticated language and they wanted their food to be sophisticated mm -hmm. so they gave it the french names whereas the animals kept their kind of anglo-saxon base ah. names and that was kind of seen as dirty and unwholesome so it kept the kind of the language of the commoners as such um so they they brought this new language of food but they also brought um other words like joy, pleasure, odor, uh, a lot of words that would have... <laughs> joy, pleasure and odor. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yep. kind of descending scale. But words that kind of are very similar in French than they, as they would be in English. We have joie, plaisir, uh, uh, odor. Yeah. I um, understand, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, very similar. What's also interesting during that time is because the Norsemen, they couldn't actually... Um, well, so you know in German you have a lot of different cases depending on the um, the type of word you're using so it's oh, a so subject or an object dative, acute, yeah yeah exactly. no, i remember that Tricky. so old english used to have that but the norsemen couldn't pronounce the endings yep so they just, so they just got them. rid of them so oh, that's perfect. why english has no case endings <laughs> thank you today. norsemen thank you for that yes exactly. <laughs> so lots of really great food names for food distinguishing food from the animal it came from that sounds all good um dropping case endings thank goodness anything starting then to see a real mix i guess exactly. between the sort of the people um the poorer people, your elite, the French influence, the previous sort of Germanic type influence. Yeah, so I guess the 11th to 14th century, middle, is that the Middle Ages? Yeah, it's yeah, Middle Ages, okay. exactly. <laughs> Terrible history. <laughs> well, that was so interesting time for English then, I guess. Yeah. Um, and more recognisable to us than certainly the, the old English. Mm. Yeah. So what happens next then? So uh, 14th century onwards, what what happens then? So 14th century, yeah. um, stay with me. Around this time, this is when there was what was known as an East Midlands dialect that grew up around London. That's interesting. I'm from the West Midlands. Oh, so really? they all had like sort of Wolverhampton Brummie accents. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, potentially, I don't know. But it is <laughs> but that's also... the West Midlands, so I guess that's not strictly true. Exactly. Yeah. But it is the language that uh, Chaucer wrote in, or it's the dialect that he wrote in. Um, so he then, because of the... Um, success of the Canterbury Tales that kind of lifted the status of English a bit so that it was on a similar level as French and Latin. Okay. Have you ever read Chaucer? I have. I read The Knight's Tale for A Level. Oh, exciting. Um, so, would you like me to quote some of The Knight's Tale for you? I would, yes please. Also from The Knight's Tale. Why should I not as well ek tell you all the portraiture that was upon the wall within the temple of mighty Mars the Red? Okay, so, so what, compared to Beowulf, that's actually a lot more similar to what we uh, speak today. I could almost work out what that means. Yeah, shall I tell you what it means? Yeah, go okay, for it. Okay, so what I said is, what should I not as well now tell you all? The portraiture that was upon the wall within the fane of might Mars the Red? Question mark. There's a question mark at the end, which doesn't feel very natural, but <laughs> yes. So mm. not not a million miles away. I mean, I think when I I think when we did study Chaucer we read it we read the the old English and mm. then had to kind of figure it out from there and it was it wasn't too hard okay yeah, yeah. but yeah at the same time as um as that kind of poetry was going on there was also the clerks working for the chancery in London they began using 
another type of English dialect to write their communications in. So before that, they were writing in French and Latin, and now they started writing in a form of English. Mm-hmm. So the Canterbury Tales, combined with uh, this new uh, bureaucratic English, helped yeah. to make English more of a recognisable and more of an acceptable yeah. language. Yeah. Um, which then, of course, once we got into the early modern period, so yeah. that's kind of... Uh, 15th century around the time of the Tudors Henry VIII all that stuff yes Um, so the English Renaissance period exactly that's when English really started to solidify and take shape um, helped by two things particularly so the publication of the King James Bible yeah I heard of that which was um really influential helped to spread English particularly because that was you know you would go to um church you'd maybe read religious texts much well you'd read religious texts much more than you would read anything else so when you went to church in those days um you presumably wouldn't bring your own bible but would everyone i mean people would wouldn't have a bible probably would they they would go to church there would be a bible there and they would be read whoever would read from the bible so they were hearing it but they probably weren't writing it because i don't think we didn't have a printing press at that point i don't think did we when was the first printing press we did so the printing press was in the uh, 15th century. Oh, okay, no, way And then the Bible yeah. came a bit later. A little but bit later. Okay. At the same time, a lot of people wouldn't have been able to read. So it was through the church that they got this yeah. uh, English. But then the other thing that made a big difference was Shakespeare. Oh, no, I have heard of Shakespeare. Oh, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're agreeing. Mean, I'm sure you're not surprised to know that um, there are a lot of words that Shakespeare introduced, a lot of ways that he. Um, borrowed words from other languages and made them kind of yeah, English and made them absolutely. acceptable. Have you and heard of any? I have. And I, I I was actually quite blown away by the number of terms, phrases and words that we use from Shakespeare's plays. Um, so I'm going to give you a little test. Go for okay? it. Are you ready? I'm ready. So um, the phrase fair play. Do you know which play that's from? Fair play. <laughs> fair play. Fair play. Um... Have a guess. It's one of the later ones. One of the later ones. Othello? No, but there, I have got one from Othello. Oh, you have? Othello is green-eyed monster. Oh, Not cool. surprisingly, I guess. The whole okay. It's about jealousy. No, Fair Play is from The Tempest. Okay. Um, Wild Goose Chase. That one's from Romeo and Juliet, yep. isn't it? Nice one. Well done. Um, seen Better Days. I don't know. I didn't even realise <laughs> that. didn't realise that was even from that piece. No, 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 exactly. So that's As You Like It. Um, it's Greek to me. It's what Greek do you reckon? It's Greek to me. Well, it's got to be one of the um, one of the plays about Latin or Greek history. So yeah. one of the histories. Yeah. Um, Julius Caesar. Yeah, good one, Julius Caesar. Um, last one, last one. My favorite, favorite Shakespeare. You've got to be cruel to be kind. I don't know. This test feels a bit cruel. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. I'm sure I've told you which favorite. which is my favorite Shakespeare play. Uh, oh, go on then. What Hamlet. Was Hamlet. Okay. But there are so many from Hamlet, and that, this is just a small selection. It's amazing how how many times we actually quote Shakespeare yeah, during it's the incredible. day. Incredible. Incredible. So then, what happens? I guess now we're also out, like you know, invading other countries. Colonialism is rife. We're kind of you know, we're surely we're we're getting words from other countries now pouring in, not just not just from France and, and oh, exactly. The, yeah. That's where the American um, uh, variations start to come in. So obviously in the 17th century, that's when uh, the English or the British went over to the New World, set up there. Um, And unsurprisingly, there are a lot of different uh, languages, cultures that started to affect English while they were over there. So uh, whether that's Native American or Spanish or African with the slave trade. Okay. Um, So Native American, a few words that were introduced, TP, toboggan, totem. 
yeah. kind of words that are very associated with that sort of culture. At the yeah, time. yeah. Um, Spanish, I thought was interesting. There are a few yeah. animals: so alligator, armadillo, uh, barracuda, cockroach, mosquito, all introduced by Spanish. Oh. And I guess that's maybe as a result that I'm fairly sure they maybe they explored South America first and had a yeah. claim on that. So maybe those words came from. I mean, I guess there. we probably would have even encountered a lot of those things until exactly. until then. So we wouldn't have actually even needed needed a word. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. And then the African um, yeah. languages and cultures contributed words like jazz, funky, tango, cha-cha-cha. Um, well, they're really uh, lively, lively, lively words, dancing. aren't they? Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So Native American, teepee, what did you say, totem, toboggan. Yeah. Then Spanish, alligator, armadillo, animals, insects. And, and then, then African is much music. more... Music, yeah, music. funky, tango. It's, it's a lot of music, right? There's some food as well, like bananas and yams. Yeah. Um, Things like that. But yeah, they all kind of contributed Zom- different elements. And zombie. Yeah. Zombie. Oh, my gosh. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so lots of different influences, which obviously affected... God, the, I said cool and nice. Cool and nice. Together. <laughs> nice and cool. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but they affected the language in in America, the yeah. English that was spoken there. But also then now, they, clearly they've made their impact over here and kind of worldwide English. Yeah. So it had a big effect. And of course, then we had... Um, technology that also had an influence yeah um, what's more what well, in this country or well, i guess the industrial e- revolution that just sort of spilled out yeah yeah the industrial revolution so interesting what they did was they had all these new concepts that they didn't have words for so things like uh the elements of the periodic table um biology things like that where yeah. they didn't have words that existed so they drew on greek and latin yeah and they um basically created words that followed those rules so we have words like oxygen vaccine caffeine biology um and then in tech oh, for okay. technological terms they came up they kind of repurposed some old words and gave them new meanings so train engine a telephone camera things like that um that mm. came about because of this so obviously the industrial revolution had a massive impact yep. impact on english language yeah um as of then because of that the trade with countries like india and again yep. a different colonial um situation Mm. But lots of words that came from India yep. um, as a result. I mean, there are so many, like Kashmir, Cheetah, yep. uh, I know Curry, um, obviously. Bungalow. Bungalow. Pajamas. Um, veranda. Hang on, isn't your favourite word? Was it hullabaloo? hullabaloo isn't that an Indian, Indian word? Indian word, it is, yes. Nice. So thankful yeah. for that. Um, so yeah, it had a massive influence, um, both the empire and the Industrial Revolution, on shaping the English that we know today. Mm. Um, we've arrived today. Where yes, we today. So, today. So yeah, so where have we got to? So we've, we've, we've come all the way through history of English. Um, we've talked about the influence of different countries, of different periods in our history, huge events like the Industrial Revolution. Um, so where so where have we got to? So if we look at our English language now, we've already sort of discussed that dictionaries have sort of become a less important item. Um, and we have words that we love, words that we hate. And we've also got maybe we, we have different methods of communication. So we're, we're communicating with our smartphones, which are very small. So we've reduced our conversation. We've reduced the number of words that we've used. Mm. We've got text speak. Um, and then to replace the fact that we can't say something super clearly with an abbreviation we have emojis gifs memes um has english gone mad um is the english that i was taught at school where we were not allowed to split infinitives is that 
snooty? Is that posh English? Is that, you know, what is that? I mean, certainly when I look back on old broadcasts from, you know, early early days of television, they sound awfully posh. Is that, I mean, yeah, that's that's... Mm. That's an English of the of a past era, I guess. Well, it's so interesting following the English, the history of English, and seeing how much it's changed because of different influences, and then hearing how, even even through my my very short survey in the office today, people who were very opposed to um, some of the slang that came up online, uh, the those yeah. millennial terms that I talked about, fleek and bay and things like that, yep. as it, if yeah. they kind of said that. English is under attack. It's being diluted. Yeah. Uh, we're losing that kind of tradition of English. And even people saying that our British English is becoming too Americanized. And I find it interesting following the history through and seeing what actually English has always yeah. been changing. It's been evolving, changing all the time, hasn't it? I wonder, I mean, obviously we work um, with a company for which words are crucial. I mean, we're called Word Bank. So... Is it that are we being too precious, do you think? I mean, having listened to this history of English, I, I think perhaps we are. I think it's just the natural kind of progression of the language, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, of course, there are still words that I would love to get rid of, but I mm. suppose you've got to take the rough with the smooth. And um, of course, the Internet um, has changed things. I read somewhere um, that... Every day, every couple of days, we're producing as much content now as we did from the dawn of time to 2003. Now, I did some research. I can't find the uh, corroborating evidence for that. But the kind of the thought behind it is true that we're writing so much more content today than we were even 50 years ago that, of course, language is going to change at what feels like a... An really? endless rate, like yeah. really, really quickly all the time. It's almost hard to keep up. Yes. Um, and I guess that's just natural. Yeah. Um, and it's just choosing um, choosing to say what you want to say and leave aside what, what you don't like and trust that um, the the fads that come up will disappear as they're not used yeah. and the words that are here to stay, that we'll yeah. start all incorporating them into our vocabulary. Yeah. I think... Um, I think for what we do as well, it's interesting because we we talk a lot at work about getting your voice right. We, you know, talk to our (coughs) clients about getting their tone of voice. And so it's really how they choose to express themselves that is so important. It's and and maybe they want to use some of this youth speak, tech speak. Mm. Or maybe not. Maybe they, you know, whatever they choose, there is a way to express themselves that will be on brand for them. And to have this much variety now is is great, isn't it? They have so many different types of English to choose from. So once they've decided what their what their tone is, what their voice is, then it's so much easier, I think, to express themselves than it was perhaps 20 years ago. Yeah, definitely. A lot more variety. And one of the things that I love as well is that we were almost moving in some ways beyond words to communicate. So yeah. we've got things like memes and gifs and emojis. I think actually the a couple of years ago, the Oxford Dictionary chose an emoji as its word of the year. So you know that one where you're crying because you're laughing oh, yeah, so much? Yeah, I love that one. Um, I love that one. So obviously don't have time to dive into all that today. But next time, I thought it would be great to take a look at... Um, how we actually make these new words. So we talked a bit about what the process was in the Industrial Revolution, yeah. where they took like old words from Greek and Latin. Yep. We don't necessarily do that today, but there are 
um, different ways that we can make up our own words in our own language. Yeah. Um, but then also look at how, as businesses, we can use emojis or memes or gifs to kind of communicate a message and what the line is between being uh, professional but also yes. uh, current in the language we use. Yes. Uh, so that's what I thought we could talk about next time. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I look forward to that. So kind of looking at the way English has moved on and then kind of talking a little bit about how that impacts our communication methods. Exactly. Yeah, okay, I know that sounds really fun. And if anyone listening has got any thoughts, um, again, drop us an email and we can read out your thoughts in our next podcast. Yeah. Um, that's wordcast at wordbank.com. Yep. Um, well, that is all that we have time for this week. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for talking to me, Zoe. Otherwise, I've been very lonely on my own talking <laughs> about the history of English. Thank uh, you very much for that whirlwind tour of the history of the English language. I now know a lot more. And I don't need to only rely on the horrible histories to get me up to speed. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. thanks for listening. And we'll, um, we'll talk to you all again next week. Yes, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our WordCast. If you'd like to find out a bit more about WordBank, who we are and what we do, then you can check out our website, wordbank.com. If you'd like to send in comments or requests for other topics you'd like us to talk about, um, you can email us on wordcast at wordbank.com. Thanks very much for listening and see you next time.